You've worked hard to build your business, and now it's time to grow. Welcome to the Multiply Your Success Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Dufour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team and a serial entrepreneur. And the purpose of our podcast is to give you a weekly dose of inspiration and education to help you multiply your success. And as we open today, I'm sure you've heard about experts and people talking about building profit or other experts talking about building wealth. And when have you heard someone talk about both of these topics combined, about building your profitability and building wealth all at the same time? And that's why I'm so excited to have our guest today, Ruth King, who is a profitability and wealth-building expert. And I've had the good fortune of knowing Ruth for several years now. I actually was interviewed on her show uh, several years back, and I'm so grateful she was willing to give some of her time to be a guest on our podcast. And by the way, if you want to see that interview that I was able to do with Ruth, we have a link in the show notes there. Ruth has written five books, two of which have been number one bestsellers, and she talks about one of her biggest accomplishments, taking a small business grossing under a million dollars, and 16 years later, that company sold for over $9 million in cash. Pretty cool success story. So let's go ahead and jump right into my interview with Ruth King. Thanks, Tom, first of all, for having me. I'm thrilled to be with you. I'm looking forward to sharing a lot about profits and profitability with your your viewers and your listeners, because you know, if you're going to be a franchise and, and want to have a franchise and have a successful franchise, you first, your business has to be profitable on a continuous basis. And you want your franchisees to have profitable businesses on a continuing basis because they will help promote, gee, this is doing really well. Why don't you, you know, everything kind of snowballs up, you know, making sure that profits are there. Um, I recently changed my title to Profit and Wealth Shark rather than profitability master for a lot of different reasons. But it's really not only profit. Profit is the first part of it. And wealth is really the second part of it. So once you're profitable, you're going to build wealth. Now, um, if you're a franchisor, you're going to build wealth through your franchisees if and your franchisees' customers. If you're a franchisee, you're going to build wealth through your customer base, um, that type of thing. So profitability is first. Um, and then after profits comes building wealth. Um, it's impossible, I shouldn't say impossible. It's really difficult to build wealth without profits because profits turn into cash, which gives you the ability to build wealth, build customer bases, do the things that are there. And a lot of people ask me, well, you know, can't we just build wealth? You know, can't we just, you know, not worry about the wealth piece and, and worry about the profitability piece? And I will tell you, no. And the reason being is that COVID proved it to us. Um, I had contractors that I worked with and customers that I work with who had 80% of their business in restaurants. What do you think happened to the restaurants? You know, they, you know, they had to go to takeout and everything else like that. So if they didn't pivot, even though they had very, very profitable businesses, they would be out of business. So, I mean, just looking at that as a result of COVID, you know, the rule is no more than 20% of your revenues from one customer or 20% of your revenues from one industry. So those of you who are, are franchising, look at different possible um, industries that you can get into and the franchisees need to follow how you get into those specific industries. Mm. Wow. Brilliant. Great advice. And uh, I'm curious just uh, to, to, 
learn and know about this, but if you could share how you became the profit, profitability and wealth, uh, you know, uh, expert here, how, how did you come to this point? Well, it actually started when I was in grad school. My background is actually chemical engineering. I have two degrees in chemical engineering. And when I went back to school, because I realized I didn't want to be a chemical engineer for my entire life, and I always wanted to have my own business. And I went through all of the financial classes and all the accounting classes, and I went, this is easy. I mean, never forget, my math is, you know, chemical engineering math and, you know, all this advanced stuff. And everybody's going, this is hard. And I'm looking at them going crazy. And I found that I had a knack of being able to explain it to people in English rather than necessarily accounting babble. And that's how it all started. It really and truly did start that way. And then, you know, my first clients, I got... I got them profitable and we grew them. And so then the reputation starts and the speaking starts and, you know, all the writing starts and you know, it just kind of builds. I've been doing this for about 40 years now. So um, my first client was a florist and she had called me simply because she, her P&Ls said that she was profitable every month and she was having cash flow problems. Very typical. And so I went in there. Remember, this is the days before QuickBooks, okay? I mean, some of you can't imagine the days before QuickBooks, but it's the days before QuickBooks. And she had this accounting firm or this bookkeeping firm doing her books. And whenever they didn't understand where something went, they put it in miscellaneous steps to make a long story short. So she always was profitable. I gave her some other things to ask questions about. She fired them. And so back in the day, there were no online classes or anything like that. I made her go into a bookkeeping class, which she said was the six most miserable weeks of her entire life. But she came out of it with the ability to know when something looked wrong. And so I never asked the business owners to become the bookkeepers. I do ask them to make sure that they oversee everything to, you know, and be able to spot minor issues before they become major crises. So that's a very long-winded answer, but that's that's how the whole thing started. And you know, it's like, okay, you've got, you know, it's to me, the financial piece was really and always was very easy because of my background. And as a result, I found I was really good at explaining it. And I got a lot of companies profitable. I got a lot of them building wealth. And I mean, it literally has snowballed over 40 years. Wow, amazing. And an author and of several books and uh, an expert on the subject and just helping lots and lots of businesses uh, improve their own profitability and business owners improve their wealth over that time. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fun. I've loved it. I love seeing the light bulbs go on with my clients and even the people who sit in my classes or read my books. I get these wonderful emails. You know, I thought this was going to be really hard. You made it easy. I do try to make it easy. I really and truly do. Well, I, fantastic. And and so now circling back here, you talked about, uh, you know, we help companies franchise their business and help franchisors grow their brand. And that that's mm-hmm. part of where we get involved. And you talked about a, a franchise or a small business or a, a company thinking about franchising. They need to make sure they're profitable. So uh, talk about that and what what you mean on profitable and in your view, what that means. All right. So I look at profitability a little bit differently, probably than most people, because number one, I don't believe in percentages because you can't take a percentage to the bank. The only thing you can take to the bank are what? Dollars, right? Can you imagine going to the teller and say, here's my 10% for this year. Would you deposit it in my account? 
crazy get out of here yeah that's right so i look at everything in terms of dollars i look at everything in terms of for every billable or revenue producing hour how much actually drops to the bottom line so it's dollars it's not the percentages so i mean i can show you two clients one of both of which who had quote unquote a 10 percent net profit and one of them was earning ten dollars net profit per hour and the other was earning 50 which would you rather be, mm-hmm. you know? And so look at profitability in terms of actual dollars, not necessarily percentages. And that actually goes up the line. So, you know, all of us have overhead, right? We have to pay our rent. We have to pay our light bill. We have to pay the person who answers the phone for accounting and marketing and stuff like that. That should be a number. So for every billable hour, you have to add a certain dollar amount of overhead to everything, right? And so that between those two pieces, we have a net profit, we add our overhead cost per hour, that gives us our gross profit per hour, and then you add your direct cost, and then you get what you should sell your products for. I mean, I work it backwards. I don't necessarily start, okay, here are sales. Here's our bottom line. I started bottom line, what do you actually want to earn for every hour that you produce revenues? And this is a hard question for most people because you don't think about it that way. You know, we think about it, you know, the franchise, I mean, if you look at Wall Street, you look at most of the franchises, you know, they look at a specific bottom line. Tom, you know that better than anybody as a percentage. But the reality of it is, okay, what does that actually mean? Does that percentage mean we're earning $100 net profit per hour? Does it mean we're earning $2 net profit per hour? And you as a franchisor need to know that. Your franchisees need to know that because then you can work backwards to determine how much sales you have to generate to get the net profit that you actually want. And so, you know, if you would, Tom, if you would expect this to be your plain vanilla profitability discussion, I'm sorry, but this is how I do it. And it really, truly works well. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is fantastic. This is exactly why I was excited to have you on the show because I I love how you approach things and your enthusiasm about it. Mm-hmm. And thinking about the the next step, you you mentioned the franchisor. Now now the company franchises. Now they've got franchisee franchisees out there, or maybe a franchisor is listening in and say, okay, this is great, Ruth. And now I'm I'm working here with uh, franchisees. Is it the same process that you take them through? Yeah. How 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 would you go about uh, recommending they they move forward with that? All right, so you've got a franchise document that you've got to produce anyway, right? You know, in order to be able to do it for, you know, projected earnings, but, you know, we can't guarantee them. So you do that with the percentages and everything else like that because nobody will get net profit per hour. But when you actually get your franchisees in and say, look, this is the net profit per hour we generally get, and this is how we got to that number. We expect that you should be able to do this or more. And here is how you do it. So we look at it from the bottom line and say, okay, this is what we want. This is what our your overhead cost per hour needs to be. And if it's not, we have to figure out whether it's too high or too low. I mean, if it's too low, what are you doing that we can share with other franchisees? Um, if it's too high, what expenses do you have in there that maybe could be reduced? So, you know, we have an average overhead cost per hour for all the franchisees. And, and they can look at where they are versus everybody else. Now, granted, you know, like the differences in rent between New York and, you know, South Texas, for example, are going to be different. I understand that. So, I mean, you're going to have some things that are not going to be exactly the same. 
But as a general rule, the overhead costs per billable hour or for revenue producing hour should be about the same for all of your franchisees. And, you know, it, and I do this a lot, not necessarily with franchisees, but I do it with departments and I do it with branches. Um, so a branch will compete against another branch to see who has the, the highest net profit per hour or the, you know, the lowest overhead cost per hour without really, you know, making your employees work 60 hours a week or something along those lines. Yeah, let's be real. I mean, let's be good about, you know, what the numbers really need to be and not try to hide things and, you know, put things where they don't belong and stuff like that. I've had that happen too over the years. So, I mean, essentially what we want to do is we want your franchisees to have a certain net profit and they have to be happy with that net profit and net profit dollars I'm talking about and say, okay, how many hours is it going to take to generate that net profit. And if we can do more than those hours, guess what? Net profit dollars go up. If we do less, net profit dollars go down. So I look that's how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I really, really like that approach. And I guess when you're it as someone's if someone's listening in and even for my own purposes, I'm thinking about it, how do you start that process for figuring out these, you know, cost per hour, revenue per hour. I like how it it's it seems like a pretty simple number, but it it doesn't sound so simple to get there. So how do you actually it talk is. people through that? It actually is pretty easy. Okay. Whatever you're using for your payroll service, whether you're using, you know, an outside service like ADP paychecks and Sparity, you know, whatever else it is, they produce a report for you that says number of hours payroll cost, right? And so, and and they actually use it. They'll take out um, vacation hours and holiday hours and sick hours and stuff like that. So you can see the actual number of hours that are quote unquote used to produce your products and services. All right. So you take those number of hours, you know, assuming it's not an overhead person, like a person answering the phone or something like that. And you divide that into your net profit. And that's your net profit per hour. It's that easy. Okay. Okay. Pretty straightforward. I, I like it. I yeah. like it. So, yeah. And the thing is, find out what it is because the first time you do it, I mean, I've worked with four, five, 10, $20 million companies. And then we do this number and it comes out to $4.17 an hour. I'm not kidding. I am, the owner was shocked to say the least. Because he'd always looked at the percentage on the bottom line. And it wasn't as high as he wanted, but he didn't realize he was actually earning $4.17 an hour. And that to him was totally unacceptable. You know, it would be to me too. But, you know, some of the people who are listening were going, hey, I only want to earn $4.17 an hour. That's not me. You know, that's not what I wanted to do. Um, So, you know, then we have to figure out, okay, who's doing really well? from a dollar perspective, and let's figure out what their net profit per hour is. And then we have to figure out, okay, where do we want it to be? All right, you know, what's realistic? All right, you know, the likelihood of you being $300 net profit per hour for most of us is probably not reality, but maybe 100, maybe 50. Figure out, you know, where the group is a whole. I mean, you have a franchisor with lots of franchisees. I mean, pull them. Figure it out. Let's see what the group, where the group is. You know, somebody says I'm at, you know, $38.52. And somebody says I'm at $2.47. They should talk, figure out what's going on. Yeah. And well, it, it's just, 
the the idea behind it makes so much sense and it really makes it a lot easier to accurately compare and see what's really happening and going on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why I say percentages don't work. You you can have two guys with a 10% net or two companies with a 10% net, one's doing really well from a net profit perspective, and one's not even earning as much as you could in a fast food restaurant. Ruth, this is a great time. I'd love to transition here. We ask every guest the same four questions before they go. First question we always ask is just about a miss or two that's come along the way and and something you've learned from it. Okay. Myth number one. I mean, I, I and we can talk about this one for, for hours, but my favorite myth is employees can read your mind. All right. And obviously it has nothing to do with profitability, but it does because you have in your head the way you want to do it, or you have it on your paper for you, but you don't explain it and you don't explain what you want. You don't explain what you want to your managers. You think they can read your mind. They can't. Your employees can't. You have to be very specific, even if it's written in an operations manual. I want you to do this A, B, C, D, because you get frustrated. They get frustrated. Why don't you tell me what you want? So that is my favorite myth. I'm sorry. It's not financial, but it's, you know, it's, it's reality. Yeah. 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 Oh gosh. Um, Yeah. I've seen that happen. with my own self many times. So uh, on whether it's been not communicating or wondering, you know, when it, it before I was self-employed and running my own business, looking and wondering what does my manager or, or boss want? Uh, I, I don't know. Exactly. I mean, yeah. what, what, what am I supposed to be doing? I mean, you, you have an overall sense because they hired you to do something, but you know, how do I know whether I'm doing a good job or not? Because a lot of a lot of managers just don't say good. They only tell you when you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Things wrong. They don't tell you when you're doing good. But you know, here's what I'm supposed to be doing. Here's where my progress is. Here's where my numbers are. Now, this is where the numbers come in with um, performance, key performance indicators. And so you know, and your manager has told you, or the owner of your business has told you, said this is the minimum acceptable whatever, phone calls, you know, responsive with respect to net profit per hour and whatever that you have to achieve if you want to keep your job. Well, and how about a make or two that you'd like to share? Okay. This also is not exactly numbers, but um, the startup of my sixth business was the most incredibly different, difficult startup that I ever had. We had a $1.6 million contract $800,000 in investment riding on that contract. And we had already started the work towards it. And they called us on the phone one day and said, we dropped the contract. I'm, you know, and this was how we were going to start up this business. And I had invested a lot of money in it also to get everything ready. So um, I put the last $25,000 on my credit cards and we started with eight customers. And that was mm. 2001, 2002. And it's still going today. So, you know, it's, you know, you might be, you just dust your, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off and you keep going. It actually started, there was a reason I wrote my first book, which was the other truth about small business, because I went through hell, excuse me for saying it that way. And I found other 50 other business owners who had gone through other horrific experiences who are willing to share so that anybody who reads that, number one, knows they're not alone. Number two is they can avoid doing mistakes that we made. Now, not that they're going to make them, not make them, but they'll make others. But why, you know, do the stuff we did wrong? 
And so that really started my first book, but it was an incredibly stressful and intense period that I look back now on and going, you did that, you can do anything. Now that was from the business standpoint. And then from a personal standpoint, I started running marathons, ran my first marathon three weeks before my 46th birthday. And then I ran two Bostons. I tell you, running Boston was the hardest thing I've ever done physically. So if I know I can handle it from a business perspective, I know I can handle it from a physical perspective. I'm cool. I'm done. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, and how about a multiplier, Ruth? Yeah, my favorite multiplier is actually a company or an owner of a company who has done phenomenally well. All right. Because everybody's looking up to this person going, how'd you do that? Because they want to do it too. And so that's how I get, I mean, I get a lot of my referrals because of all the successes that my clients have had. So my multiplier is a customer who's done phenomenally well, who talks and everybody goes, how'd you do that? And then that's how they talk to other people and talk to other people and talk to other people. And that's literally how I've built this business. So that's my multiplier. I love it. I love it. And uh, the last question we like to ask every guest before they go is, what does success mean to you? Success to me is happy clients who are doing really well, achieving the goals that they want to achieve, building profits, building wealth, and giving back. Now, the giving back is really important to me, and I do that myself. But you know, if you've made it, you got to give back. That's why I look at it. Yep, yep. Yeah, we do the same here as well. We make sure that we're we're giving back to the community and supporting. Absolutely, I think that's important. And yeah. well, Ruth, um, tell me. I, I guess as we bring this to a, a, a kind of drawing to a conclusion here, I'm I'm wondering: is there anything you were hoping to get across or share that you haven't had a chance to say yet? Well, you know, financial statements and understanding them takes less than thirty minutes a month. It's actually easy once you get the hang of it. I have a free report if they want, and it's on my website. All you got to do is download it. It shows you where the mistakes are in financial statements in less in as little as sixty seconds. So if they want that, they can just go to ruthking.info and click on the report and get it. I mean, I share that with everyone because not at number one, not everyone can, you know, use my services or want to use my services. And there's a lot of really good people out there. The thing is to understand what's going on. It is very easy once you get the hang of it. You know, you've all done harder. I mean, some of you play golf, some of you play tennis, some of your businesses took a lot of technical knowledge to, to learn it. I promise you that was harder than learning a financial statement. Uh, that's great. And so that's at ruthking.info. Is that, and, and what's the name of the download? The download is how to find, uh, or how to discover whether your financial statements are wrong in as little as 60 seconds. Ruth, thank you so much again for being a guest and for giving us such a great interview. Let's go ahead and jump into our three key takeaways. And the first key takeaway is when Ruth was talking about needing to build wealth and profitability together, that they are not exclusive of one another. They actually work hand in hand, and having an idea of how you're going to do both at the same time makes a lot of sense, and that's her specialty. That's what she helps small businesses and other companies do. Takeaway number two is that business owners need to be able to understand the financials of their business and how to make decisions with that information. So it's one thing to understand it, but it's another thing to make a great decision with it. 
Takeaway number three is when Ruth talked about how one of the misses in her careers, throughout her career that she experienced at some point, was thinking that employees can read your mind. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I I know I can raise my hand and and say, sure, that's happened to me before. And and uh, not only your employees, but also if you're in the franchising business, your franchisees cannot read your mind as well. And so you need to make sure you're communicating and explaining to them about what's going on and how to do it. And now it's time for today's win-win. So today's win-win is look to find your average net profit per hour, and that it should be pretty similar amongst all of your locations, franchises, territories, or other branches within maybe a large enterprise. And this is something that will make it much easier for you to accurately compare one territory or one franchise or one location to the next. So make sure you're taking a look at the average net profit per hour. I thought that was a phenomenal takeaway. And so that's the episode today, folks. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. And remember, if you or anyone you know might be ready to franchise their business or take their franchise company to the next level, please connect with us at BigSkyFranchiseTeam.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back next week. 